0: Yes. Season one, stage 11, we made a road trip. It was good to catch up with you, John.
1: Yes, absolutely. find out what
0: your Starbucks order is. A good little
1: travel down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we are down here in uh, beautiful North County, San Diego. Vista, the pride of Vista, I call it. Or do we call this Carlsbad? What do we do?
2: No, this is definitely Vista. Definitely (laughs) Vista. Okay, cool.
0: So... um, you're listening to, I think, the premier Southern California cycling podcast, Unicorn and His Little Buddy. I'm his little buddy, is always checking in, and um, I just want to thank everybody for listening to season one of our experiment. And we're stage 11, and we're down here in San Diego, like I said, and guess who we're with? Guess where we are. They're not
1: going to even guess. They're, they're not going to even know, gonna, know nope. where we are. No.
0: Nope. Yeah, nope. <laughs> Uh, we were really, really excited to be down here. We just got a little nickel and dime tour of an amazing facility. We are at LEL Cycling Headquarters yes. with none other than the, Jim national, Miller. the National Sales Director for LEL, Jim Miller. Yes. Usually, I'd have a sound, sound effect of clapping, and but
1: I didn't. You can have, add it
0: in. I'll, yeah, I don't have my sound effect. More. So, Jim, thank you so much for uh, entertaining us.
2: Guys, and, it's an absolute pleasure. It's a lot and, of fun. Um,
0: Letting us invade your Monday morning.
2: No, nah, we love we love showing off this place. <laughs> yeah, and and
0: and likely so. It, it was it's such a great operation. It's amazing, and he just showed us all the tech and the sewing. There's quite a bit of thread and quite a bit of bobbins, and there's quite a bit of fabric and printers. It's insane. Yeah,
1: and it's all full under steam. one roof. Yeah, full yep. steam.
2: We're two shifts a day, six days Is a it week. Really, two Is shifts. It two shifts. Yeah. Wow. You wow. Got just. Um, we're gratefully so. We're we're as busy as we can be right now. It's right. it's a phenomenal turn of events for the industry and certainly for for our capacity to produce all this gear.
0: You know, it's so funny. I had that kind of set for later in the show, but let's just jump right into it. How has COVID affected the cycling clothing industry? Like you just said, like it's full steam right now.
2: For us, when it initially hit, we were shut down and basically. Everything got frozen in place. If you picture a conveyor belt, that we just turned the power off and everything just sat just for almost away. ten weeks. Wow. Um, that was by the, the city and the county that said you just can't come to work right now. Right. Um, in the middle of that, they said if you're producing PPE equipment, you can come back to work. So right. we had a design for masks. We started building masks, both inline and custom, and we started up our mask business. And then after, as that kind of and the got, mask
0: thing seemed like a no brainer for you guys, yeah. right? You're like, we have.
2: We we're ready to go. We have
0: the machinery, we have the fabric, we have
2: ready to go. Yeah. And again, gratefully, they've been just gangbusters. The the sales on them has just been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We're doing all kinds of custom ones for companies big and small. Um, I'm seeing a lot of them out and about. So yeah, more, teams make, are teams are getting them for their yeah. teams, and it's just it's it's a way of life these days, right? Like you yeah. nowadays you check for your sunglasses, your keys? Oh, where's my mask Ma- and my hat, whatever? Go else, ahead, you and know. say it. No,
0: <laughs> that's
1: exactly what Ran happened. Right into we, Starbucks for getting them. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: yeah so where's your mask? But. Um, did it take a, a couple like iterations of it to figure out okay this is how it is and this is how we do it or was it just
2: we had the pattern uh, okay. we had a large and a small size it's nothing fancy but yeah. they're functional they fit well they breathe really well we get a lot of compliments Jim, on how they're well they are fashionable they're, they're super they're fashionable, fashionable.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which for me is always like you know John will always tell you doesn't he's, matter if you he's to... slow but he does look good on a yeah. bike
1: doesn't oh. matter if you can breathe as long as it looks good yeah, yeah, that's the yeah,
2: yeah. wall we know right come on <laughs> Uh, But so, yeah. uh, And then once that was lifted, that you can now come back to work, we fired everything right back up. Um, I can honestly say we didn't lose any customers. Nobody Mm -hmm. said, we're done. Give us our money back. We'll wait, which is great. And in fact, at that time as well, we started picking up new customers because some of our competitors weren't able to meet the demand. They were getting their orders canceled by their their production facilities or by their uh, material providers. And we were able to pick up a lot of that fallout from... Let's call that, you know, June, July, and August, which is now kind of get, get working its way through our pipeline now. Wow.
1: Right. Now, how does it work as far as, like, employees, like, with us in the industry, the movie industry? Like, we're tested, like, once or twice a day. Do you guys have to get tested every week or how do you
2: we're not doing any testing here at the facility that i know right. of other than um i know that a lot of the employees that are coming and going are working with their own local people. agencies and schools and things like gotcha. that okay um and we're just very rigid here in terms of people coming in and out of the building we do testing downstairs for your, your i saw all the temperature and, like and all that, that and set so up. we there, there's some ba- basic baseline testing gotcha um and i know with our facility down in uh, mexicali that right. there's a more a little more rigid testing protocol each day for that facility gotcha because the local right. uh, agencies are, are mandating it yeah. down
1: there, and it seems like when we did the tour, walking through there, like everything is so spread out, you don't have people on top of each other. Yeah, you know, everybody at the machines. There's that fair, was a big first fair part of, of getting distance. when
2: we when we moved back into this building in, in one spot. We used to be in two bu- two buildings. Now we're all here. Um, that was a big part of it. Was. Spacing everything out. Gotcha. You know, proper. And that's why right. we're using even some of this upstairs part of the building for some of the sewers while we still figure out where everybody's going to end up shutting down. Gotcha.
0: Right. It's so funny. Um, when I think of LEL and... You know the the big thing for your brand, I think, is is handmade in California. You even have it kind of sewn into into it. And it was so cool to now actually physically see what that little piece of fabric means, and to see the people and to see the space. And so it was really really cool opportunity to do that. And it truly is uh, made here in California, which is not a a, you know a common thing that I think many people can say. No, I mean I thought
1: like seventy percent or like a, a big portion of it was done, but not like a hundred percent of it yeah. was done under the one roof, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. And so going into back into the COVID kind of, you know, some businesses are, are booming, some businesses are bust. Uh, and you seem to be on the, the former of this, are you getting a lot of new, uh, new customers and new people that are getting bikes and bike clothing? And do you see some of that and how do you kind of handhold that and talk to new newcomers into the sport?
2: Uh, every day. Yeah. We're picking up new accounts every day. Yeah. Um a lot I think it's a couple of things. I think the word of mouth is getting out there and we're starting to get in or expand our footprint. If you looked at a heat map of our customers a year and a half ago, you'd see a very California, Southern California centric. centric yeah population of where our customers are right. and now we could draw that same heat map and we got spots lighting up in the in the carolinas up in the upper midwest up in right. portland wow. seattle things like that down in texas austin dallas right. houston are all starting to become vibrant areas of uh, these teams and clubs arkansas right now we've got probably four oh, orders wow. in in uh in the queue right now from teams and clubs in arkansas and oklahoma so um i think that's a big part of it and i think too um and this dovetails with the first part, is that some of our competitors are, are really falling off. And we're able to say, hey, we've got amazing quality. We've got prices that are as competitive with anybody else out there. And oh, by the way, you're going to love the gear.
0: Yeah. Right. And then I think that was, you know, I wanted to kind of save this a little bit, not only for you, but for Ryan as well. But it really is, when I think of LEL, I do think of I can't think of many clothing brands that do both, right? The, the race, the club team stuff, but also like the person who isn't in a club or a race or that type, just an enthusiast who wants to get on the bike. There's just great looking. And it's also like, if you like bright colors, we have some bright colors. If you like the more, you know, things that, fit John's age, which is in the seventies, <laughs> you got
2: more it's pink. He's <laughs> gonna <laughs> like yes. exactly. it. We know if you can diffuse pink <laughs> into we know he's gonna like it. No, that's what
0: I love about LEL is it like if you want something loud and visible, you have that. And if you wanted something muted, like I have the um I remember my first was like the gray uh and you do short shorts. I'm a short guy, so they do the shorter wow. uh <laughs> I could show off my beautiful quads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a really is a great product. I think translates to a lot of the demographics within cycling. And I think some companies lend more to the race teams and the club teams, and then some more to the lifestyle, right? And I feel like you guys really cover it both. So it, I, I get so stoked to hear that you're coming out of Southern California because I've always thought of you guys as a worldwide brand. So it's great to see that that metric is... Uh, well, and even within
2: that. even within a particular collection, we'll go mild to wild within a particular collection. Yes, We're launching exactly. this week a Sonoma collection of jerseys got some that are really kind of trippy and obscure and yeah. look like um, the, the inspiration was one of those hot air balloons, right? Okay. It's a matrix of colors and it's right. a little bit like um, you took your 3D glasses off and you're still seeing the red and green kind of spot. And then down to something that's a little more, just a little more staid and a little more subtle that we know that somebody within all ranges of yeah. that spectrum is going to be able to find something that they like. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah. And that, that's what I love about the stuff. And also it, it, it's uh comfortable and, I would say it adds five watts to my day probably Easily, Easily right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now,
1: the stuff back east, do you have reps or is this all kind of word of mouth through? Is it? Great question. Um,
2: Most of mine we are. We recently. <laughs> 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 well, it's, it's very timely. And it's very timely in the sense that up until about. Um, this summer, we were we had all in-house sales reps, right. and they covered the country, and they covered it for one brand or the other, the Wadi Ink side, which is our sister company that has more of a triathlon focus, okay. and they covered and sold only to those groups. Um, in August, we made a shift and, and brought in some outside help. Uh, Carl Hygen came in with us. He was uh, 15 years with another brand, and he had some people in some local areas that would make great independent reps. So we kind of shuffled the deck and we said, okay, now everybody sells both brands and we're going to territory people off. We're going to put people in the best possible position for them where they have the good relationships. They've got already got some good teams and clubs that they've worked with. Right. And so now we are much more territory based. It's allowing us to cover those territories much, much deeper. Gotcha. Build those local relationships. Uh, we're going to be able to do more local events and things like that with those people in those areas and really start to expand on that. Nice. And covering both brands gives us a chance to really touch anybody in any opportunity that we're working with.
0: And how's right. the, international reach of LEL is that kind of the next chapter as it were
2: yeah it really is there's there's some challenges to international there's sure. the import and things like that 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 caught that can really jack the cost up we've got rabid fans of the both brands right uh, everywhere right so that is kind of the next territory and the next level of expansion as soon as we can um, figure out the logistics figure out the logistics yeah. of it honestly too another phase of that would be a, a more um, a footprint in the retail space here. We don't really right. have a retail program yet, but there are a number of really good bike shops that, you know, that the LAL brand would fit really well. Yeah. And so right. we're yeah. building, uh, we're, we're starting to build the foundation for how that's going to look, and then once we get that set, we'll be able to go to those key shops and those key demographic areas and say, hey, we've got something really cool for you. We'd like to be part of your store here. You know, it's why. so
0: funny. Now that you just mentioned, I, I never realized yeah. LEL is not necessarily a, a brick and mortar you know, thing, no. but I will say the the – couple times I've ordered uh, kits from you guys. The customer service is great. And I remember, they, I think there was a mix-up with one of the things. It was so quick to exchange it. So never hesitate to uh, purchase online with the bear here, is basically what I'm bear. saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's, you know, enough, enough about LEL. I want to know about Jim Miller. And, and here, I thought you wanted to make this interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we have a, uh, a crack research team here at the podcast or others call it a research team on crack. But, um, there is a past volleyball career. Is this what I'm hearing about? You're not terribly tall.
2: So I wasn't then not now, (laughs) and left-handed, which actually worked to my advantage in volleyball. Um, yeah, that was the sport I cut my teeth on. Because all I
0: know about volleyball is the scene from Top Gun. So which one are you? <laughs> yeah, <of> course, <laughs> Goose of <course>. or
2: Maverick? <laughs> Never wore jeans when I played.
0: <laughs> I do have
2: jeans shorts still, but they don't get out too often. Um, I was a kid of the 80s, and, yeah. and beach volleyball um, was exploding in the 80s and early 90s. And
0: you grew up here in San Diego? I grew up,
2: uh, actually, up in Los Angeles in the other valley. I was in San Gabriel Valley. Okay, yeah. And my high school was the only school in the area that had boys' volleyball. Um, so we'd have to travel real far for games and yeah. anytime we'd play a big tournament, we'd go down to like Redondo or, you know, right. uh, Manhattan beach, Miracosta high school. And it was like, Oh man, this is what, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, I go to San Diego state and then I wasn't good enough to make the the state, you know, the team, the D one team far from it, but man, I sure love playing beach volleyball and, and a, being a frat guy. We built this really cool, uh, Regulation size cord in our backyard, so it was a yeah. daily, daily Is thing. It, do we need to wow. get into this? That might be another thing we need to dip into. <laughs> oh, you you yes. love to do the mossimo pink shorts. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Short well, he's the got thighs. the dolphin, that so was, he's probably close. That was that was, the, that was it back then. If I'm I had
1: dolphins you. and
0: you had your speedos, oh,
2: we'd be set. Yeah. Right? We you would love yeah. it. If it wasn't neon, we did not wear it. <laughs> <That's
0: awesome. okay? laughs> telling So. You. Now, did your love of cycling get into cycling as a way to cross train from playing volleyball? In because you obviously went to SDSU and yeah. you played volleyball there. Yeah, and, and is, was cycling introduced to you then? Or
2: I mean, I had always ridden bikes in, in the in the town I grew up in. the The hills it was the hills that separate um, kind of the San Gabriel Valley from La Habra and Whittier. Yeah, and me and my buddies cut a lot of those what are now the horse trails in those hills with our then rigid mountain bikes. Okay. Um, but I never raced or trained. We, j- we usually got towed up the hill by somebody with a truck or something <laughs> like that. And it was just... We just I we call
0: just, that my Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> we, we enjoyed
2: it. Um, but then, I, and then all through college, I never really participated in any sort of endurance sport. It just the bug didn't hit me. I was always aware of it. Like I knew LeMond was winning the yeah. tour back right. then. I was always It was always kind of in my window of just loving sports. Right. But man, it wasn't until probably around... 30 that I found endurance sports and I tried a couple triathlons and I'm like God running and swimming just suck this is no <laughs> this is no fun I always just fell back into the bike yeah and then I was living in Manhattan beach at the time and just starting to hang out at the coffee shop at the end of the ride and guys would start talking to you and you pick up what's going on and I do right. one of the first hard pier rides and I get jettisoned out the back and I'm like oh my god none of these guys look any Faster, stronger, more right. physically active than me, but yet yep. they're kicking my ass. Yep. And it was just this slow immersion into learning how to be an endurance athlete. Right. And I don't don't get me wrong; I am not of any endurance athlete of any regard. I have no <laughs> wins to my name or anything like that. I just love riding bikes and being in events and stuff like that. And it all kind of grew from there.
0: I, I think, that, though, I, I disagree with you here. Yeah, I have a, I have a, a racing cross country second finish at the prestigious Sea, sea Otter. Otter.
2: Jim, That's come on! Big. I'm not yeah, into I'm racing. A, I'm afraid to tell the story. But it's very. What? It's a very. Um, it's a very uh, good.
0: dramatic yeah. story.
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crushing defeat in a lot of ways, that I try not to relive. So, maybe we should have brought I'm, I'm going <laughs> to preface all this. Cat three, okay, age group guy. Go from the line, and I pass a few guys, and I'm like, I'm sitting in the lead. I yeah. don't see anybody passing me, and all I'm doing is passing other people. And I wasn't, like, letting up. And
0: The rumor I, has it you were saying every time you pass, you said, eat my dirt. Hey. <laughs> and, you, and you would flick I your saying, wheel. Well, That's I was doing what, what, what I heard. Postal. Leader coming through,
2: leader coming through, trying to make sure yeah, you yeah, get your yeah. room. And yeah. no one was passing me. So I'm like, this is kind of cool. And I wasn't letting up. I'm, I'm riding pretty hard. And the way the sea otter course finishes, if you've ever raced cross country there, is you come up to this last little climb within about a mile left of the finish. And then you drop onto the track. And now you're going reverse down uh, the power climb okay. yep. to the bridge where the finish line yep. is. And as I come up and, and I get onto the tarmac, I look over and I see a guy. And I'm like, and he's looking at me like that. He give me the look. you right. know. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember that jersey at the starting line. And now he's digging. And I'm like, crap. Now the race is on to me and this other dude, and we come down the hill. He kind of pushes me wide in a totally legit move, and he get, he beats me at the line by not even a half a tire. No on a race that I thought I had, had completely in the bag, and I won. And. Um, I w- I've been more happier for third-place finishes than I ever was losing that second right, game. That blows. Right, 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 oh. Right. So, yeah. Thanks for living that. We I'm going to depress the rest of the day.
0: Uh, let me cross that out. We out of
2: <laughs> it was, uh, what is it? Uh, ripping victory from the – ripping defeat from the jaws of victory, I think. Yeah. But it was fun. It was, um, yeah, I've had a couple good runs up at Seattle up there. That's awesome. So
1: how did you get into the whole cycling industry? Did it, like, just slowly evolve? Because, like, when I met you, I think you were with Michael with Spy.
2: Yeah. Um, it goes back about eight years before Spy, when I was in the mortgage industry. Okay. And... Um, had gotten into the mortgage industry coming out of corporate insurance and my corporate insurance was boring and stayed and I was just like, God, there's gotta be a better way. And a lot of my friends were in the mortgage industry and doing pretty well for themselves. So I got thrown into that and was rode a couple of really nice waves there and it was good. It was work from home. So you had a lot of time to ride and do your own thing. Um, but then I realized that I looked around and I saw this landscape of people that are really good at what they do doing things they like to do. And I said, there's got right. to be a better way. How can I how can I blend passion and profession
1: yeah. and right. be
2: able to do what I'm good at in an industry that I really like? Um, enter Michael Marks, who then at that point was working at Globe up in um, – up in the South Bay okay, right, and he was one of the people that I was riding with and interacting with. And I just started to look to him as a, a mentor, a friend and would right. pick his brain. We'd go to lunch and it's like, I was really trying to say, how do I find a way into this industry? Sure. Cause it was one of those brutal catch 22s. You can't get the experience without the job and you can't get yeah. the job without experience. Right. Um, Michael was super patient with me and was always able to give me a little bit of guiding uh, information and, uh, be able to say, think about it this way or look at this way, look at this company, they're up and coming. Um, and then one day he says, you know, uh, I'm going to be starting a new job down at Spy in Carlsbad. And uh, we might be looking to find a way into the sporting world, get back to the roots of Spy and get back into uh, endurance sports and products that would cater to those sort of people. And I might need a sales director for that okay, cool. I'm like starting to get fired up. So I spent about the summer of, uh, this is like 2011, um, still working in other industry, but helping Michael write the manifesto for what became Spy's business plan to even exist in the endurance sports world. And I'm I'm very grateful to Michael. He gave me that first break, and right. I was able to break into the industry at Spy. I That's
0: love ours. I love hearing when when people pivot careers like that. And one of my favorite authors is, is Malcolm Gladwell, and he's always like, you know, ten thousand hours of, of something to be really proficient and professional at something. So coming from like the mortgage business and, and that whole corporate side of of, of life, what was the um, Thing that helped you pivot into the bike industry, like what was the skill set that you had developed?
1: This was the second place at Sea Otter, is what it you
0: was.
2: Did. A <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Never want to be second I, place no. again. Man. More, more time
1: in the saddle, possibly possibly still make a living. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I've always said, like the the the, the challenge in. A um, lifestyle or cycling-related company is no different than any other company. At the end of the month, they wipe the board clean, and you got to go sell some stuff. Yeah. So it's all the basics of selling, building relationships, following up on things, closing the circle. You know, being a good partner to your customers. Right. Um, the 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 challenge came with. I always knew, and I think anybody can. I can pick it up. Just just get me there, and I can sure. do it. Right. right. Whatever. That, if you believe in the fake it till you make it sort of approach, because you can learn and you can absorb. And I've always considered myself a really fast learner. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a big learning curve when it came to understanding wholesale and retail dynamics and the production cycle of products and things like right. that, things in that industry that I would have never been able to be exposed to. And again, I'm grateful to Michael because he gave me a lot of leash and a lot of, we, we you know, uh, we had a lot of runtime to be able to get into that and, and start to make it happen. Um, and it was a blast because I've never worked so hard and learned so much in such a short period of time. Because in small companies, and most of these are, yeah. you, you wear a lot of hats, and right. you get exposed yeah, to yeah. the marketing side, and you get exposed to the sales side, and you get exposed to the finance side. And, oh, by the way, we got to be at events on weekends if we're going to grow this brand. Got to <laughs> deal with the
1: team. Got you were with dealing. Teams and the, I was telling him you, you were dealing with probably what? F- how many people do we have on Spy? 45 60 at
2: one point we had 65 or 70 and that was just the spy team so that doesn't you know that's not all the other teams and clubs that we were sponsoring too
1: we'd go out and do the uh the training camps out there in palm desert and you'd show up and all your stuff would be laid out on the table like your clothing and then you'd be like you know go pick a pair of casual glasses pair of sports glasses and yeah you guys were running around nonstop. it seemed like it was such an amazing really
2: it was really important to be able to elevate that experience to create really strong ambassadors yeah. people we knew liked the brand but man we wanted people just to live and breathe it and yeah yeah i think we created that we yeah we, we, no, we built we made so, many, so many great relationships oh. today that came out of that era of time oh, yeah. i can remember that that team camp i looked over at michael he and i are kind of standing in the back and everybody's mingling around i think at a dinner one night and we're like dude we finally brought the team camp together that we had talked yeah. about three it years ago it was awesome we had like yoga
1: yoga sessions Damn. and oh it was what, four days was of super like, non-stop, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. And then
2: hammering every day. These guys yeah. would go, easy training, right? Next thing you know, you're, you know. Yeah, Phew. I never have. Guys <laughs> <laughs> spit out the back, and I'm turning around. i got to go, i got to go, we're uh, make sure dinner's ready, and things
0: like that. <laughs> so throughout your career in working in basically the bike business, um, obviously here we are at LEL, but you had uh, SPY that you just mentioned, uh, GQ6, Pioneer, BH Bikes.
2: Was it BH Bikes? Were you with BH Bikes? No, it wasn't BH. For a very short time, I was repping with Eddie Merck's Bikes. Eddie Merck's, okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Again, my research team is on crack. <laughs> Not a crack research team. It was a bike. <laughs> but what is kind of the, the, the thread that keeps all those type of brands together in your perspective of the bike industry? You know, here you've worked in the bike industry, but obviously different brands, like a power meter, yeah. you know, bicycles. Is there a common thread that kind of links it all together? Is there I, a storyline that kinda... I think
2: it's the passion of the people that are there. Yeah. And each time with each company, you find that you've got a person that is is attached to the industry, but very passionate about their particular vertical.
0: And um, they feel like, I can make a better mousetrap.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Richard Haraga at GQ6 uh, is so incredibly passionate about that product. And that was evident from the first day that KB and I went and that I met him right. and just getting to understand that passion and then learn that industry and the, the chemistry and the technology behind that and and immersing yourself in that was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, you flash forward to Pioneer, a, a wonderfully lucky break that I was able to get. And I meet a guy like Russ Johnston, who had been at Pioneer for his entire career, 35 plus years or something like that, and all the different things he did. And then he built from ground up this vertical that made pie, uh, power yeah, meters. Yeah. And to be able to throw them, I had never trained with a power meter. I mean, I knew what they were in general, but to be able to immerse in that and feel his passion for this, world class product that Pioneer made.
0: I'm still trying to figure out a power meter John told me that you could do four numbers yeah. you <laughs> could do four numbers on a power meter
2: you never knew that <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a passion, and then I come here to LEL, and and Ryan has been, you know, living and breathing this thing yeah. for for nine years now. That he, this company that that um, he created, and that really every single person here carries that sort of ethos of just really believing in what we do. And I got to say,
0: you're, you're lucky in your career here to have worked with the gold standard in a lot in those lanes, right? GQ6, I think, is a gold standard in hydration and nutrition, and, and pioneer, pioneer with power power meters, and obviously LEL here with clothing. and
2: Agreed, So yeah. you're
0: a pretty lucky man there, I'm Jay. I'm
2: gr- incredibly grateful, too. Yeah. None of that is lost on me. And um, to, to have such a good seat at the table at these various stops is is um, – I'm really lucky because yeah. I think there's a lot of people that can kind of struggle along and or bounce along with some other companies that just don't get it or they don't have the right financing or they maybe just not have the right product to ever succeed, and they're just – they're just kind of treading water. Well, it right. speaks.
0: You're just not a good-looking guy. It speaks, you know, volumes. You got to do uh, something if you're not. <laughs> you got to have other. You
2: got to have other features.
0: So, as a racer and now as uh, you know, a director uh, at a company, what are some of your favorite events in the cycling world? You know, in a normal calendar year, oh. like do they differ <clears throat> as a racer when you you were racing and and doing illustrious second second places. <laughs> <laughs> And as a company do those do, yeah. you, do those differ?
2: Well, and also, too, because I do a lot of announcing at events, so the, the BWR and things like that. So yes. I get to see events from a all totally different perspectives. Different perspective. yeah. And then when I get to go and participate in an event, it's always fun because I can just sit and take it yeah. in and yeah, then yeah. see what's working. We up right. we do Rock Cobbler or something like that with Sam, and you're able to just be Sam's guest for the day and not right. have to worry about something. He um, was
0: bending my ear this morning. We was talking about um, that, Cobbler, yeah.
2: You want to go to a fun event, do anything Sam's involved in, go do it, it's going to be a blast. It's, nice. it's, it's just... Just a super good time, but with something like BWR, where I'm both kind of front of house and back of house, I'm I'm the produ- the producer behind making sure things going off on time, things like that. But I'm also with the mic in front, and, and yeah, you know, out in front like the band leader. Yeah, um, well, all under the, the, watch- the, voice all under the watchful eye of Michael, who's making sure that he's. I got him over there doing all the stuff that he needs to be doing. Yeah. yeah. The, I think that the fun thing about events is just taking that pause and looking back, and you're just watching people, and you're yeah. seeing the smiles on their face, or they're engaging with their friends, or the wrecked look on somebody's face as they come across the line on an event that probably six months ago they would have told you they could never do. Yeah. Um, hearing those stories, that for me is is what is really really inspiring and fun.
0: Yeah, and I think you know it's so funny that we're, we're coming into this, you know where we are in this lockdown COVID thing and obviously there's been some underground things that have like kind of popped up whether people are into it or, or whatever but I guess my point and also doing the podcast here with uh, young Mr. Hatchet, the thing that I think ties it all together with events whether they're sanctioned, unsanctioned, whether they're, you know, a BWR type Fondo event or whatever it's, I think people just want to connect and that's yeah. what I noticed at like when we did an underground road race it was like it was a great turnout. People just want to hang out with their friends, be competitive, push each other. You know, and it was really cool. And obviously doing this this podcast and stuff, it's like, and hearing your story and your journey through these different careers and in the bike business, it's really about people. Right? Yeah. It, it, that's really what it boils down to. And for me, and, you know, I, I work in the music industry, it, it just boils down to people are like, you know, what is the music industry? It's like, well, it's a it's a person business. Yep. It's, it's all it is, you know? Yep. When you boil it down to but uh, um, do you want to give any shout outs to any events that that are other than BWR? How, well
1: how big was the Utah
0: oh yeah how was Cedar? I mean there was C- a, C- I know
1: the, a lot of people but was it the amount of people in which you guys expected or did you probably more so it? More probably
2: so? more so I think we had 800 registered riders wow um, at the event and one thing that I thought was really remarkable was We didn't have any problems enforcing any of the COVID restrictions. Right. Right. We had it very well signed off on the the lot. so you're entering this zone. You're wearing a mask and things like that. Right. We didn't have to remind anybody. Everybody was good. Even the riders on the starting line were in the pods of 50, half mile down the street. And they stayed in their pods, just like we asked them to. They had their masks on at the starting line until we rolled out, just like we asked them to. So that tells me, one, people really want to come to events and put up with some unique restrictions if they have to do it. That's a great point. And two, Um, gosh events are fun you know yeah, people are right? connecting it was yes. so good to be out there and just see people smiling having fun and, and being able to interact with each other outside for me it was like one of the only times I'd been out of San Diego County since yeah. since March right. it's like cool road trip you know <laughs> let's get out and about <laughs> and,
0: and that area of Utah is so beautiful I love yeah. Cedar City gorgeous. St. George all just that area. gorgeous yeah. the
2: riding was phenomenal and this was super fun for me is we rent or the, the organization rented two uh, razors to cover the race yeah, live on I saw course saw that. on that Instagram. Cool. So I got to drive the pure gravel race car out in front and with that lead pack. And basically I watched my own bike race unfold in, in yeah. front of me and was able to tell people That's about awesome. it. That's it awesome. It was just a ripper of a good time. Yeah, it was
0: great that you guys did the Instagram story throughout the day because I was, I was, we had a friend, Brian McCulloch, uh, yeah. you know, who, who was in that. And it was so great, uh, the coverage that you guys did.
2: Funny thing and about was, Brian, that guy, and I love him to death,
0: is he short? Is that the funny thing? No, that's was, what I laugh he at. Was,
2: and he's he's done this to me before. He's absolutely wrecked. He's dirt covered and everything like that. And he's asking, "Can I do anything for you?" Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, bro, oh, yeah. let me get you a coke yeah, or something. Right? Like, yeah. would you just sit down, and get off your feet? But that's the type of guy he that's is. The, exactly. Well,
0: yeah. Unlike my co-host uh, Brian, is a good influence in my life. I'm just
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my moments. Come on. <laughs> You asked about shout-outs, if I can. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful and lucky to be working with uh, all the BWR events, and yep. next year there will be three. Uh, knock on wood, we're going nice. to do uh, San Diego. There's an Di- Asheville one, right? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. Well, first off, is going to be San Diego, um, and then Asheville, both in April. Go out yeah, uh, see my brother. You should go out there, yeah. Yeah. John. And then uh, October, we'll go back to Cedar City. So we'll have the Triple Crown in oh, full nice. effect next year, COVID willing. And yep. um, that, that's it. we can't wait to have that fully – Come to fruition in terms yeah. of this, the, yeah. this series that that Michael's always wanted to. I just uh, feel it's like our envisioned. U.S.
0: version of classic European. Classics. Oh, for sure. You know, and it's great to to have that type of event
2: there. And that's how this was really built up. Was you know we wanted to create that sort of one day classic race feel here yeah. in the U.S. Uh, I'll be working again with Steamboat Gravel in August. That's going to be really really cool. Um, and then uh, fistful of dirt is a is a second year event in uh, Cody, Wyoming, over Labor Day weekend next year. Okay, oh fun uh, that's going to go off. So, oh. um, and then there's a couple of other other grand fondos, the Ride Santa Barbara Fondo I've worked with, which also included uh, Guyman's uh, Hill Climb World Championship. That oh he had yes. in yeah, conjunction yeah. with that yeah. last year. So that those come back, but the announcing part has been just a blast because. Uh, like I said, I'm able to be there and engage with people in a way that I, you know, wouldn't have ordinarily expected. Yeah. And it's fun just being part of the event that way, and keeping an energy to a to an event, you know, that's particular to the event. Yeah. But also keeping a good energy and a good vibe going for the event like that. You know we,
0: we have uh, we have faces for radio, and you have a face and a voice for radio. That's so true. I can yeah,
2: yeah. argue. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, why sunglasses and masks help these days, guys. I'm telling you, prolong um, the career.
0: Speaking of shout-outs and really cool things, I want you to talk about your uh, Challenge Athletes Foundation that you... I, I was looking at your Facebook page and and John was sharing some stuff. Um, tell us a little bit more about CAF and, and kind of what... Is that still going on? And
2: um, I haven't been able to give the kind of time to them as I as I did in the past, you know, right. in the past couple of years. Um, life and other things just kind of took sure. the place of some of that. But I will say that they are a great group of folks, local here to San Diego, that do a phenomenal job okay. of providing... Uh, uh, equipment, transportation, uh, you know, send people to different events that they would not ordinarily get to go and do across all walks of life across the globe. Mm. Um, a phenomenal amount of money has been raised every year and for a couple of years I did, I participated in their Million Dollar Challenge which is a ride that they do from uh, San Francisco back to San Diego. That's right. That's what uh, it that's I knew what we, it was yeah. something. Yeah. It was yeah. just phenomenal. It's a, a great group of people that come together for a very worthy cause and, you know, we get to ride bikes and stay in nice hotels but yeah. they, they raise a, a, just a boatload of money for people, and it all culminates back here in San Diego with a big, uh, big event that's tied to their big triathlon event that they do every year. So
0: Oh, cool. Yeah.
2: Really proud of my association with them. They do a phenomenal job. Nice.
0: And then um, the other thing is, I don't know if you're still involved, Big Orange Cycling.
2: A little. Oh, yeah, okay. um, I, it's it's tough because I don't get to. I don't live up in the South Bay, yeah, so I yeah. don't get to participate. I was one of the board members of that club That's when, when we're they reading. when they refounded, yeah. Yeah. which was really cool. I'm still very close with uh, a lot of the board members there, but I just don't get to see my Big Orange crew as much as I might right. like, except for maybe at uh, events and races yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But well, I stay. I, I very much stay in touch with it, though.
0: Th- I think there's such a great. Uh, club and their ethos that you see on the on the website's really cool and and then you know obviously racing against them they're they're always you know a trusted wheel in the peloton for me and and so
2: it's well, for me yeah. too you always remember your first they sure. were my first they were my first club
0: okay and yeah. it was
2: it, it was born out of like i said just that hanging around the, the coffee shop at the end of the rides and they were always just the coolest people yeah, you know right. it's just it's the greg liberts and the greg seranians oh, yeah. and, and those guys that would just talk to you and and take you from junior Fred up into, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're now an established member of this bike community. And I'm so grateful for their, their guidance and friendship and leadership that way. Yeah. Um, because that's what they truly gave. They have one rule in the club. Don't be a dick. Yeah. 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 You exactly. know, And they enforce that rule, yeah. you know, and it was, it was really nice to know that you are judgment free and you are, we want you to be just who you are. And by the way, we're going to wear the most loud and the most, <laughs> most <Yeah>. proud looking <laughs> crazy ass kit every single yeah. day. And that's just Part of big orange.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, um, the interesting thing about the culture of cycling. It, it is, you know, there's a lot of unwrittenness. It's almost like golf. It, there, there's this certain lineage to it and, and it can also be very intimidating to sure. a newcomer. And so I think, uh, organizations like big orange cycling are important to kind of field in the next generation of riders and people to get enthusiastic about it. Be welcoming. Uh, be, yeah. yeah you know, and that, that's, absolutely. that's what I
2: found from them from, from the very beginning. Awesome, John.
0: I don't have the sound effect, but you know what time I it know is. know what time it is, yep. Okay, so Jim, you might not know this, but this is the bell lap. Ooh. Usually, I have a sound effect. This is the bell lap. This is the final lap. This is uh. 10 questions. John calls it the 10 meter sprint, which makes no sense because
2: you can go, you can <laughs> He's can't got even... that kind of 10 meter
0: route right, exactly oh, <laughs> 10 meters.
2: <laughs> if you look at the power graph, it right. goes all the way down to 10, 10 meters. You know,
0: Jimmy, he sent a photo the other day of him sprinting. I said, Is that you sprinting? He goes, Oh, yeah, the unicorn can kick up his heels. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it's ten, 10 rapid questions that require no thinking. And as I've gotten to know you, you're going to do great because you don't think.
1: All right. <laughs> Why start now? <laughs> Why, yeah. And I'm going
0: to go first.
1: As always, go ahead.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, here's uh, two people you'd rather hang out and play guitar with. A State of Mind era Mike Ness or a Nirvana era Dave Grohl?
2: Oh, man. That's no no thinking. No thinking. <laughs> I gotta go Mike Ness go, yeah. I gotta go Mike Ness just because my connection with him started back in eighty, nineteen eighty. 1980 oh wow when I first found out what punk m- rock music yeah. was all about and um couldn't, wasn't old enough to drive into Hollywood, but would get those drives and, and started to see those early, early punk rock shows like that.
0: There you go. He's, oh, a, yeah. he's
2: such an enigma to me. I would, I would, if there was a cup of coffee to be had yeah. with somebody dead or alive, you'd be on my short list. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Indoor beach volleyball? <sighs> I cut my teeth on the indoor game and it's so different. They're so dramatically different. But the outdoor game has so much more attraction to it when it comes to the scenery and the sights and things like that. And the shorts. Um, and the shorts. i gotta go out, I got to go outdoor. Out, outdoor. All right.
0: Uh, this is, this is uh, culturally and, and through the arc of this podcast has become a uh, gold standard question. What's in the bottle? God. Ooh. <laughs> his
1: eyes lit up i think that's the best response he's gotten
2: yet so it's funny and it goes back a little bit with richard at gq6 right. i am I, and have been a lifelong cramper i have fought that ah, on the bike for years right. um and I, I will experiment with something and then usually latch on pretty good gq6 is phenomenal product and it works for me really really well i use most recently i use hammer um, it's lighter. I can process it easier. I have to supplement with with other foods and things like that to keep the energy up. Right. And then recently I took a shot at something that was being promoted on um, what's that retired Tour de France guy's podcast? Whatever. Um, LMNT. <laughs> L- L- yes, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to try a that. A phenomenal amount of sodium, like a thousand milligrams of sodium in a tiny little packet like that. And so far, that's been working really, really good, especially for the longer, harder rides. I'm going to yeah. start putting that to the test here in the coming in the coming weeks with some longer training rides. Nice, nice. Note this off. But yeah. I'm really picky about that stuff. It's not just it's not just whatever it takes. Right. It's, it's I really am focused on what. Just goes Just make in a now. note. That's a great question. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, favorite craft beer. Uh,
2: Ruler Brewing, right here yeah. in Carlsbad, <laughs> does some phenomenal. They're soloists. If you like nine percent beers that don't taste like a nine percent beer, soloist. I think
0: that is would phenomenal. put us under. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> the, everything. Sure. Everything that Raleigh makes out of there, I'm a huge, huge fan of. Uh,
0: favorite segment or ride here in San Diego area.
2: Yeah. Um, I I love the loop. There's a loop that we go through Vista twists and out into. Um, San Luis Rey, mm. and then up and over the hill, it comes, drops back down and then heads its way back to the coast. From my house, it's about 65, 70 miles with 4,000, 5,000 feet. That's some beautiful look. scenic yeah. views, some fun, safe descents oh, nice. and things like that. It's a, it's a real treat. There I like go. that one. Nice. Deleuze would probably be a close second. There's another lap out through Deleuze and goes up into uh, Fallbrook area. Yes. That's really pretty. I've too. done that one.
1: That is pretty. Yeah. If you could announce one Dodger game, Laker game, or Perry-Roubaix, which would it be?
0: Oh. <laughs> That's a good question.
2: In order, and this would be a tough order to put him in, I'd have to go Laker game high up above the Western Perch where Chick Hearn used to sit there right. at the Forum, the Fabulous Forum. Perry-Roubaix would be second, um, and then a, then, a, then a Dodger game. That would be, right. be a tough call between those. Nice.
0: Uh, we can open this up to Southern California. Favorite venue to see a punk rock show?
2: Ooh. Um,
0: Besides before the they remod-
2: Before they remodified it, believe it or not, the House of Blues in Anaheim okay. was a I've great place to see a show. Good, ac- Good acoustics. Yeah, yeah. They didn't pack it in and you had some elbow room and things like that. Um, that was always, and, and they would get good bands and yeah. was restaurants and things like that and in and around the area that you could hang out at. I think I saw Trombone Shorty there. There you go. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, a, that's a go. That was that's definitely a favorite, but there's others, you know, there's other those little sweaty, I mean, the belly up, yeah, in, in right here in Solana Beach may not be known for its punk rock, but they'll get punk rock bands in there, yeah. and that is just a great place for a show.
0: I remember in my, my other career as a touring musician, the Casbah. Sure. Yeah, I played that. that that's your sweat small, box. Yeah, that yeah, place is elbows box. up and spinning <laughs> around,
2: and let's get it on, yeah. Favorite punk band? Ah, uh, Social D. Nice. They, they I think, you know, this is my mini soapbox, and I think it's a travesty they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, or have mm. never even been... Like in my considered. to my awareness, be can yeah. considered for it because he is, at least in my opinion, the 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 benchmark for what really started it or what got started what was going on here, at least in the US. Mm-hmm. A lot of other bands got credit for it that came out of Britain. But he was doing it here around that same time and there's still so much influence that that Mike Ness and Social D kicked off to other bands that I think yeah. really put them at the forefront of—they just never had that one song that made them really, really mainstream huge, which probably makes what really makes them good. good right? Yeah. Right, right, right? They didn't get that huge, and he still deserves so much credit. I think for for what I really still took off in the U.S. To-
0: the three right when they got signed to Sony and they kind of changed their sound became a little bit more like... like those records with the harmonies, and stocked harmonies, and uh, this is kind of an aside from the Cycling Pockets, but it's a brilliantly crafted record. Yeah. Yeah. Was, um, best coffee shop stop in the area?
2: Ooh. Uh, a bit of a connoisseur because I, I appreciate a good coffee stop before Same. During, or an it after a good, a on this side of the table, table as well right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're lucky to have some some really good ones here um lofty coffee has a couple of locations along 101 down there that offer up wonderfully crafted uh coffee drinks mm-hmm. and then also beautiful views at all the places there you can't go wrong with lofty nice. yeah
1: last one Pick two people to do an easy recovery ride with, dead or alive, doesn't have to be in the cycling industry, anybody, to oh, just kind of people. pick their brain and learn some life lessons.
2: Like it or not, like, like him or not, I, I just find Lance so sure. fascinating. Yeah. Oh. I would love to just have that unencumbered conversation with him of, and not, not anything personal or like just to get in, but I would just love to be able to, to see more of what makes him tick other than what we see through the the filter of his, you know, the platforms that he comes out on. Right. Um, I think that would be really, really interesting. I have a couple of friends that know him and ride with him up in the Aspen area, and I'm always kind of nudging them, like, yeah, oh, yeah. "What's it like? What's it like being that kind of fanboy?" Um, that's the hardest thing is sometimes is you get to meet some of these people, and it's hard to just detach from that fanboy. I've got to ask you a thousand questions and just kind of slide <laughs> yes. into more of the, "Let's just chat and see what you're yeah. all about." Because right. at the end of the day, they're by and large they're just like us. They're no yep. different. They just yeah. operated at a different level, level. At, at a certain time. Um, Hmm. second one I, I, I always thought I was always fascinated by Paul Sherwin and just his ability to do what he did so well for right. so long um,
1: and the, make it so interesting yeah yeah
2: right I mean that, that's got to be the challenge of that job whether you're with a partner right whether you're by yourself or whether you're the play-by-player whether you're the color commentator right to have the knowledge the awareness, and he obviously, of course, had the race experience, so he yeah, you sure. know, he knew he knew those cobbles, right. he knew that climb, and to be able to understand it that way too, to hear from somebody that was actually there, yeah, and then still operates inside that world would be, I think, would be really, really neat. Nice.
0: Oh, there you go. Stage eleven. I could sit here and talk to Jim all day, all day long, all day long. No, he, he <laughs> would, and he'd get sick of me really quick, but. Um, that you was know, pretty we, pain-free. Yeah, thank huh? you so much, Jim. Usually we give a little shout-out to uh, all our bike shops in our area. This is a field trip, so we're, we're gonna still yeah. going to shout-out our area bike shops like CBS Cycling. and yeah. Cycle Bike Shops. And Bicycle Johns. Yep, and Trek Superstore. And but then, Jim, let's uh, give a shout-out to a bike shop that keeps your chain from not getting <laughs> dropped yeah. like our friend Pat. <laughs> <laughs> we're,
2: much like the coffee shops we're lucky down here we've got a lot of really good ones so yeah. uh lucadia cycle re is awesome um ride cycle re is great both right there on the 101 A little further south is is uh, revolution um but yeah you can't go too far around here everybody's super talented mechanic wise and they got all the best brands and yeah um, we're, we're pretty lucky, along with the, the great coffee shops, to be nice. some really good treatment Heaven. on the bike if you need it. Right. If coffee
0: shops, bike shops, and craft beer. I got I to gotta
2: shout out my man Paul, too, with Velofix. He's the local Velofix okay, guy, yeah. too. He's He comes to virtually. I, I don't know if the guy sleeps or not. Yeah. He's just straight vampire mode because he's, he's you send everywhere. send the bat he's just, and he's there. He is just ubiquitous. You see him at every event. You see him yeah. at every just pit stop wow. sideline that uh, he was out in Utah for oh, EWR. Nice. he does a great job too works really hard great
0: awesome well thank you so much
2: thank you buddy guys a pleasure a great I appreciate it yeah.
0: and uh, we'll catch you guys next week alright
1: this is the third fucking rotor